Our Old Testament reading this morning is from 1 Chronicles in the 17th chapter. This morning we'll hear the opening 14 verses. This is the part of the Chronicles of the history of the Hebrews that tells of the, the gift that God has made to David and his household for generations to come. I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his home that David said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under tent curtains. Then Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But it happened that night that the word of God came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, You shall not build me a house to dwell in, for I have not dwelt in a house since the time that I brought up Israel, even to this day, but have gone from tent to tent, from one tabernacle to another. Wherever I have moved about with all Israel, have I ever spoken a word to any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheepfold, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you, and have made you a name like the name of the great men who are on earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and move no more. Nor shall the sons of wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel. Also, I will subdue all your enemies. Furthermore, I tell you that the Lord will build you a house, and it shall be when your days are fulfilled, when you must go to be with your fathers, that I will set up your seed after you, who will be of your sons, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build me a house, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. And I will not take my mercy away from him as I took it from him who was before you. And I will establish him in my house and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. Here ends this reading from God's holy word. Our New Testament reading this morning is from the gospel according to Luke. The very first chapter we'll hear verses 26 through 38. This morning we'll hear more this evening in our candlelight and communion service from this gospel according to Luke. Again, I invite you to listen for a word from the Lord as it is there written. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph 
of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am only a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her, who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Here ends this reading. From God's holy word, the angel Gabriel came and visited Mary, and he had a mighty big surprise for her, and as this is the eve of an intimate and personal event, the divine putting on human flesh, entering into his good creation, I, I would ask your forbearance for a sermon that this morning includes an intimate and personal illustration of God's will and power. That can't be right. Yes, yes it is. No, no, that can't be right. I can imagine this is the way both Mary's conversation with God and the one she had later on with Joseph might have gone. After all, everyone knows who can and who cannot conceive. From of old right up to now, this has remained a constant, a non-negotiable rule of nature. Except, that is, for when it isn't. For nothing will be impossible with God. In the Old Testament, we read how Sarah laughed when she overheard that she and Abraham would conceive in their very old age. In this Gospel account from Luke, we learn that Elizabeth, who was significantly older than her inexperienced cousin, and we are told, barren? She is with child. In both cases, we are shown that even when it comes to human procreation, nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. 
I had turned 40 earlier. And then I was halfway through my seminary training. Just halfway through at 40. So you're already ahead of me. I was preparing for a life-altering entry into vocational ministry. My life had been turned topsy-turvy. And my wife's along with it, for she did not marry a minister. It had been quite some time since the doctors had told me that Without medical intervention, I could not reproduce. And yet, not long before Christmas, another messenger of the Lord by the name of Clear Blue Easy paid me a visit in the midst of a take-home Hebrew exam. There was a line in the middle of the strip that my wife of 16 years was holding there in front of me. That That can't be right, I told her when she shared. That can't be right, I repeated. Another test. A trip to the doctors for another test. And all with the same fantastically unexpected result. Stunned and overjoyed, we were shown firsthand, no matter how incredibly unbelievable it may seem, nothing will be impossible with God. (coughs) Mary is young, and she has not known her betrothed Joseph, nor any man. What, What could be more unlikely than this? Life coming about in such circumstances. Only one thing. Life coming from death, and yet nothing is impossible with God. And if God can do such things, what is there that our God cannot do? This is the time of year for making wish lists for Santa, for asking for rollerblades and roller skates and dinosaurs and Markers for art. I hope you made your list silently or that you will make it later on. No matter what your age is, you're never too old for a Christmas list. A song came out 30 plus years ago by that name, Grown Up Christmas List. And the chorus of that Song goes like this. No more lives torn apart and wars would never start and time would heal all hearts and everyone would have a friend and right would always win and love would never end. This is my grown-up Christmas list. It all sounds so nice, especially when sung as beautifully as Amy Grant did. But really... Really now, this this is the stuff of grown-up childhood fantasies, isn't it? With apologies, we all know 
This is not the way the world works. We need look no further than what's happening today in the Middle East or Ukraine or North Korea or China or Haiti or any number of other hot spots across the globe. We need look no further than to what's happening right here within our own borders, our own communities to see the harsh reality of human misery, desperation, depravity, and suffering. True enough, that may be the way things are this Christmas Eve, but it doesn't mean that they have to stay that way forever. Augustine, the early church bishop from North Africa, insightfully wrote in the fourth century, we were trapped by the wisdom of the serpent. We are freed by the foolishness of God. And Christmas, it is a time of unconventional wisdom, especially for the young and the young at heart. It is a magical season for dreaming. Charles Dickens wrote about it. Clement Moore rhymed about it. Bing Crosby sang about it. Charlie Brown tried to direct a play about it. The Grinch tried to steal it. And Jesus himself is the one who brought it. So this is Christmas. A time when the ordinary is made a little less so. There is special music, special cards, special decorations, special foods, special drinks, special faces. Here in the church, there are special decorations and special music and special services. And all of this is because of the special revelation that nothing will be impossible with God. He changes and transforms the world as we know it. The sights, the sounds, the tastes of late December are transformed. Even we, if we are willing, may be transformed. And we are reminded Christmas was just the beginning. The redemption of the world that Jesus wrought began with an unprecedented birth on Christmas but that was not the only miraculous thing God would do through him. As we are reminded in a recent reading and sermon, God would act through Jesus in fulfillment of a number of Old Testament prophecies. He would bring new, good news to the oppressed. He would bind up the brokenhearted. He would proclaim liberty to the captives and release to the prisoners. He would proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. He would comfort all who mourn and he did precisely all these things and more because nothing is impossible with God. God overcame all the limits of Jesus' day through him. And you know what? He didn't stop there. The impossible continues to be overcome. Eighteen years ago, I learned that miraculous truth myself. God has been at this expectation overturning work since the dawn of creation. 
And if the forming and ordering of everything in the cosmos wasn't a work of the impossible, well, then I don't know what is. Consider our own belief. What could be more impossible than sinners such as you and me able to believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father? Christmas, the dawning of the new creation, beginning in a Bethlehem stall. When the days in that part of the world were their shortest, when the darkness throughout that land was at its very deepest, into that time and place, the impossible took on flesh and dwelt among us. The world was witness to a royal birth that took place not just to improbable parents in an improbable setting, but in a completely impossible fashion. This, this was the handiwork of God and God alone. And at Christmas, we celebrate his love for us in the culmination of the greatest form of love we know as humankind. Too often, it seems, we fail to allow our imagination to be big enough to make space for the God who gave it to us. In the very first of C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, he has the demon write to his nephew and understudy Wormwood about weaponizing human nature as a means to keep a target person from believing in God thanks to processes which we set at work in them centuries ago, they find it all but impossible to believe in the unfamiliar while the familiar is before their eyes. Keep pressing home on him the ordinariness of things. What better time, my brothers and sisters, to ponder the unordinary, the extra Ordinary to open ourselves to the possibility of the impossible. Christmas, when elves pack a sleigh full of gifts for everyone on the planet. Eight reindeer take flight behind a ninth whose red nose shines as bright as a lighthouse, pulling a plump, jolly fellow who can break into every dwelling on earth in a single night. If we can imagine all that, Imagine, if we can imagine, what God has really done at Christmas. He sent a baby to put down all pretenders to the throne, one established in fulfillment of his promise to the house and lineage of Jesse through David, a sovereign to be recognized forevermore as the King of kings and Lord of lords. He gave us his son, to redeem us from the wages of the sin we had all committed. He made a new covenant with his people through the atoning sacrifice of his beloved only begotten, ushering in a new chapter in the age of creation as he raised him from the dead. And all this, all this has been accomplished because nothing, nothing will be impossible with God. Not only is God capable of doing these things, God has seen fit to accomplish these things out of his faithful, loving kindness 
to his good creation. Not only does God care for all of his creation, God cares for each of his creations. As I began by telling the improbable, I fathered two miracles. He has also made me a minister, no less of a miracle. What impossible things has God done for you? What impossible things might God yet do for you? For us. By my watch, there's still time left to dream, to hope, to expect gifts. I encourage you to make your own grown-up Christmas list. I encourage you to, to dream big. For you can't outdream God. As we continue to pray about and seek discernment for the future reformation of our church, go ahead and add some wishes in there for her while you're at it, because nothing will be impossible with God. This miraculous hope, reiterated to and realized through Mary, is one of the most enduring of Christmas gifts. It never wears out, it never fades, it never falters. It is part of God's permanence that spans all generations. The ability of the divine to do far more than we could ever hope or imagine, indeed, to do what we think is impossible. This is part and parcel of the nature of the God who made us and who has claimed us as his own. And for that, we may truly say, thanks be to God and amen.